0: So when I was in college, a, a classmate of mine came into my dorm room, and uh, I think it was, his, it was my sophomore year, maybe his as well. He had uh, just re- left religion class, and he'd come in, and he was a little bit smug. Um, he knew I had a pretty high view of the Bible. Um, I wasn't um, what theologians call an ineratist then, but I did have a high view of the Scriptures. Um, but he said, hey... Uh, I bet you don't think the Bible has contradictions do you and I was like well I I haven't come across any um he goes but there is My, my professor showed us one today and he got out his notes and he said okay it was Proverbs 26 4 and 26 5. so we looked it up together and I said and it read like this do not answer a fool according to his folly lest you be like him yourself and the very next verse is, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now, I wasn't trained in theology at the time, or the scriptures, and, but I did think there must be something more to it. I was an English major, and frankly, having uh, any author worth any weight, when they put two phrases like that together on purpose, then maybe, you know, there's something more to it. So... Fast forward about five years, and that verse and that contradiction came absolutely clear to me. One of Redeemer's cr- other cross-cultural workers, uh, uh, the Newell family, our set of uh, cross-cultural workers, um, is actually from my very first church I was a pastor of in Charlotte. And in, in they, they uh, have gone off and been for 20-some years now uh, starting a business and, um, and, and translations and other things to, to, to fuel the ministries for folks around uh, where they live. Um, so Frank Newell is the, was the, the husband and, and the pastor who was sent. And he's known around Charlotte as a soft-hearted and gentle guy full of wisdom and joy, definitely not like docile or timid, but tender and kind. Uh, He kind of exemplified what St. Paul talked about to the uh, Northern Greece church many years ago, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And the senior pastor of that church uh, was telling me about the first time they went to go visit him. We sent a team over there for a year, I mean, not for a year, for uh, in the first year to help set some things up for a month or so and uh it's the story of them coming up frank was driving to a crossroads and in those crossroads they were being blocked they wanted a bribe or something like that well frank gets out of the car and confronts the would-be uh bribers the people blocking their passage and and the senior pastor talked about him starting to yell and they had their fierce demands but but frank met them with equally fierce presence Um, his voice was raised his face was flush Um, he ordered them to step away with all the pomp and power of a king a minute later frank goes back in the car the would-be thieves opened up like the red sea and the car who all knew frank in charlotte were stunned (laughs) in almost every area of life frank would never answer a fool according to his folly But this time, especially in an honor shame culture where bravado is currency, in fact, he did answer a fool according to his folly. What's the point of the story? The point of the story is wisdom. The Proverbs, and in the entire Bible for that matter, are a type of wisdom literature. Wisdom, not, not necessarily knowledge not intelligence, certainly not cunning. It's not really aptitude, and it's certainly not information. It's called wisdom. And I'll be using this definition throughout the sermon series through June, or to June. Wisdom is the skill in the art of living as God intends. It's the skill of the art of living as God intends. And for a Christian, it didn't work. Hold on. globes so and for the christian it's wisdom is the skill and the art of living as god intends through jesus that's what it is so we're participating in his life his death his resurrection his ascension session and return and we're growing in the skill of the art of living in jesus so until June, what we'll do is explore several topics of wisdom from the Proverbs, but with an eye, especially because it's Easter season, just in case you Lent lovers out there uh, who forget that Easter time is 50 days and Lent is only 40 days, so we are spending more time celebrating the resurrection than we do preparing for it. We will be, uh, we'll, go, we'll be doing this with an eye towards the resurrection of Jesus. We're calling it resurrection wisdom from the Proverbs. So we begin with this undervalued thing called wisdom. Wisdom, the skill, and the art of living is a bit out of fashion in these days, though it is, um, I don't know if it's ever in fashion. The church has not done a great job with this either. We often value performance and results over wisdom. The, um, the, sadly, even, even in the church, sometimes especially in the church, the ends justify the ministry means. We've wrongly prized information and truth over Wisdom, how to live in light of it. T.S. Eliot wrote back in 1934 about the dangers of the kind of information age. He wrote, where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Somehow, culturally, and even in the church, we have believed the lie that being informed or being right is more important than having the skill in the art of living that out. And our tradition, our tribe, with all of its robust uh, theological uh, knowledge, this Reformed tradition that I consider beloved, does have an Achilles heel. And one of those Achilles heels is to confuse things we would know with who we are. Information over wisdom. As if knowing truth is God's highest goal. No, it's actually enjoying God forever, right? And worshiping him. so it's skill in the art of living so if you were in not just information or or brilliance or intelligence or knowledge before 2004 if you were in the field of genetics william french anderson would be a glowing example of a brilliant human being he's the father of gene therapy his research has done has has saved so many lives he's a world-renowned scientist his research has uh, won awards across the globe He's also a 5 degree black belt which is pretty frustrating. You can be that smart and that good. But in 2014 or 2004, he was found guilty of four counts of sexual abuse. He got 14 years in prison. His attorney in an interview afterwards said this. Nothing about having an 176 IQ means you have good judgment. That's it. That we would move from just no one's stuff living well in christ and so one of the first steps there's kind of two steps in the book of proverbs about gaining wisdom i don't think there's steps because they're uh, well there are steps but i'll do the second one first proverbs 4 says this almost desperately get wisdom (laughs) get insight do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth and using personification which is making an inanimate object a person He speaks of wisdom as this breathtaking woman. Do not forsake her. She will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. It's wonderful. So it begs the question, how's the getting the wisdom? How's your appetite for wisdom? Proverbs as a whole and Proverbs 1 and as a whole has three main categories for wisdom or or descriptions of people in relationship to wisdom. Uh, Listen to them, listen for them. They are the wise, the simple, and the fool. As I read the very introduction to the book of Proverbs, it starts, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, and this is to, who, to, to whom he's writing, to know, or the reason, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in their learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance." To understand the proverb in a saying the words of the wise and the riddles the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction so there's the wise there are people who have who have embraced god's love for them and lordship over them they have progressed in a skill of the artistry of living with god and for the christian living with god in christ please hear this proverbs is not a rule book and wise people are not the rule followers it's a relationship book and the wise are growing in deeper relationship with the one who loves them and is lord over them the wise person manifests this relationship by aligning their decisions and their attitudes and their actions in line with god's ways Just like in a family or a friendship or a marriage, we align ourselves because of the relationship in different ways. That's what the wise are. We'll go next to the fool. The fool is the person who is steadily opposed to God's ways. He, the scripture says, despises instruction and training. And therefore, what the fool does is reject the loving relationship offered by the Father, even his forgiveness. And Proverbs assumes that the people of God have in them fools among them but they are not beyond the allure and the beauty of the wise and the invitation into that covenant relationship. And then we have the simple. The simple are ones who are not either fully aware or fully committed, either fully aware or fully committed to wisdom or folly, but they can be easily misled. The trouble with the simple is that they do not apply themselves to the discipline needed to grow in that wisdom, And so they kind of go willy-nilly with any situation, whether wisdom or folly. Now, there are others, but they're all, in some ways, subsets or connections between the fool, the wise, and the the simple. There is one wise in his own eyes that's really just an arrogant simpleton. There's the scoffer who's kind of the, the fool on steroids, and there's the lazy who's the love child between the simple and the fool. Okay, some of you, I experience as wise. Many of you actually come to mind when I was reading through the Proverbs over these last few weeks. So keep training in this skill. Let Jesus keep shaping your life into one more and more like his. Live that life out in him. All the mercy, beauty, and power is there for you. Keep on keeping on. What about those of you who feel like the simple? Uncommitted, a little underwhelmed with God in his ways, unaffected by the things of God? I want you to hear this. Proverbs is not first condemnation, but invitation. Come taste and see the beauty of the wisdom of God. There is warning of peril for the simple, but so I don't want to soften that blow but there is a true invitation to wake up the smelling salts of Proverbs to, to, to stir you up and embrace the reality that God has loves us and has a way for us, and to ask Jesus to bring that conviction and courage to see, to care. And then there's the fool, and it's still an invitation, but it comes with a great caution. It's an big beware sign, warning us all, danger ahead. Because reality always wins, and God is the realest, the truest truth, the wisest wisdom. And rejecting that is a horrible mistake. It's a horrible take. It'll only lead to more damage and distress and death than you could imagine but it is still an invitation a loving call from folly toward wisdom to turn to jesus that we may live that we may live well and that we may live well eternally and so this all rests on this desire get wisdom so do you want wisdom are you curious enough to even question your own Takes on the world your own wiseness in your own eyes? Are you humble enough to give yourself to God's directive, thinking maybe, just maybe, He might know how to do this thing better than I do? And will you come to God's Son, God's Messiah, the Lord Jesus, who the scriptures call the wisdom of God? It is excruciating to give up this kind of control, but it isn't complicated. And with it comes life. Okay. So if, the, if one of the main things is kind of desire, wanting wisdom, or having an appetite for wisdom, the next thing is the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Proverbs is clear about that. The beginning of wisdom is not desire, but the fear of God. Now stay, William, stay, this, stay in this with me, because that sounds a little crazy, maybe even a little cruel. But what if I tell you that that fear is the beginning of most everything in your life. Fear in Proverbs, let me make sure we have it pretty well defined, is not terror and trepidation, though it does have the feelings of some anxieties at times. It's it's, it's not, um, again, it's not terror, but it is a concern, a weight, an awe of something. The thing that is most real to you, The thing you most value, it's awe, fear mixed. We don't have a great word for it. And here's the deal. If God is real, then not only does he deserve all the weight, awe, and fear for our life and its decisions, he has the right to ask it of us. And recognizing this awe, this this glorious power of God, is the beginning of having a skill in the art of living like you'd want. Because you're putting the weight on it. Think about it this way. What causes the most fear in your life? It's the stuff you give weight to, the stuff you think is important, the stuff of awe. It's a reputation or security or comfort. I hear people struggle with that sometimes. (laughs) Others still just want to just leave me alone, let me do what I want to do you fear the lack of these things if your children don't turn out like you want or maybe your job or your marriage or your relationships you feel like your plans aren't going to work out, fear that you, those plans are not working out because of the all the weight the fear you put in them what Proverbs is saying is that we think we need to fear give the most weight to any of these things but in fact we must fear give the most weight to god himself and that is the beginning of becoming wise Which does make sense, because if he is the realest thing in the world, then the thing that should get the most weight in the world would be him. That weight and awe, we give to God the the posture of, of importance is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I grew up on Saturdays watching TV. After cartoons came on, ABC's Wide World of Sports. And anyone who ever saw that knows what I'm talking about. The thrill of victory. Pele's on somebody's shoulders, and there's a car driver with a champagne. And then the agony of defeat. I just listened to it, and the guy doesn't have a deep voice. It's like, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. The agony of defeat was this shot. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The skier. And he's about to hit the jump. And it is the greatest tumult of legs and skis and poles and arms. And it's just a disaster. <laughs> it's wonderful. 30 seconds. It's on YouTube. Just do the thrill, of victory, and, or, the thrill of victory, and agony of defeat. It's awesome. But what I found out this week is that he fell on purpose. And I watched it, and you can see it. Right before he hits that jump, he takes a dive for himself. What we find out later is that he knew if he hit that jump the way it was, the way the ice was looking, everything else was going on, he was going to fly past the soft snow and really, really injure himself. And so he took the dive, fearing for his life, fearing in the good sense the value of his life, and did something very, very, very wise. And all he had was a couple headaches. Looked like he should have broken 14 bones, but that's evil Knievel. That's a totally different thing he did on Saturdays. (laughs) That's not in my notes. Um, So that's an amazing thing that midway down the ramp, he had a different kind of fear that made him wiser, and fear in the right thing that made him wiser. Here's the deal is that the Lord Jesus Christ actually takes the fall in wisdom, not just to save himself, but us as well. And then in that wisdom came power, the power to raise him from the dead by the God of the universe. Jesus, I mean, Paul calls Jesus this, the wisdom and the power of God. But to those who are who are called both jews and greeks christ the power of god and the wisdom of god and that is truly fearfully awesome fear feeling in the best sense of the word living in the wisdom of jesus isn't just suffering though it will include it we are in death life death resurrection all of that it's not just that it includes power and the resurrection is the thing that proves it. I-, I wanted to preach this sermon series on Proverbs because I think it is the most important thing for us as the church, as Redeemer Church, as my own family, as my own heart. One of the reasons I want to preach this is because th- 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 it seems as though we have the Achilles heels of having some type of knowledge or, or, um, or, uh, 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 or truth it is not translating super well into wisdom for all of us. And so we need this resurrection wisdom in an utterly rapidly changing world. And then we need the resurrection power that follows it. Who knows what the world will be like in three months or three years or three days for that matter. God's wisdom, Jesus himself is the eternal one who's needing into our lives the eternal wisdom of God because he is in fact the wisdom of God. And with it comes power. We have strategies and plans, but the number one strategy is not to do X, Y, or Z, but to be people of wisdom. Skilled in the art of living in Christ Jesus for ourselves and our neighbors. That's where the love is, that's where the power is, that's where the courage is. We want people transformed by His grace. His guidance, and that vision is not so that we could hold up in it. That would be very unwise, but to give it away, to serve others, to show that wisdom, to live it out to every single image bearer in the universe as far as the curse is found, full of wisdom and love, full of hope and courage, full of justice and, word, uh, uh, um, justice and uh, mercy. Wisdom is plan A. What we do will follow, but it will follow about out of who we are. Because we've been trained, we have muscle memory of wisdom. We cannot orient to programs to become wise. We must orient to Jesus, the wisdom of God. He not only shows us the most beautiful fulfillment of what wisdom is, he cultivates wisdom in us, wisdom to do things like repent, to peacemake. to to let us live out in in, in the fuel of His grace and the forgiveness of His grace for the wise, for the simple, and for the fool. If we orient our hearts and minds and uh, our souls and our bodies to the resurrected resurrected wisdom of Christ, if we do that, becoming people different, we'll, we'll still do some pretty cool things along the way. But that's not the first step. So we might, we, let us just pray for desire. Let us repent of being simple and foolish to begin to cultivate an awe, fear of God. And that hard stop. Everything will flow from that. And so we go to our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and sit at his feet. And he is now our father. He's now our father because of the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is this fantastic te- kindergarten teacher, showing us what to do, what to love, what to play with, what not to play with, what, what, what good manners are like, right? Um, how to treat people. What's going to keep us safe? What's going to make us courageous? And how we can love one another, learn, and how we can love our teacher. Another kind of older book, was a book by Robert Fulgham called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It was a massive bestseller, it's still a great book. Wisdom is not at the top of the graduate school mountain, he says, but there in the sandbox at nursery school. And all the Proverbs are doing, that father figure and mother figure in parts of Proverbs, is saying, is come on into the sandbox. God's nursery school. Jesus, he's your, he's your guide through it all. I had study buddy, but I didn't really like that. He will show you the ways of the playground in the kingdom and will learn to live and not just know. That is the beautiful invitation of Proverbs because it's the beautiful reality of Jesus in his resurrection. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you that you love us, that you keep us. We thank you that you have invited us in to learn how to live, live well and live eternal. Let us not be fools or the simple or wise in our own eyes or scoffers or lazy. Help us, grow in us wisdom. Let us know Remind us again that you are there to mend us when we fall in the playground. To come get us when we run out of the gate, the fence. To forgive us, to challenge us, to love us, to help us live well in you. We pray in your name. Amen.